Coming up on this week's show, Kira Andrews tells us about her latest test of valor. Welcome to the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for readers and writers of gay romance fiction. If you can read it, write it, watch it, or listen to it, these two guys are going to talk about it. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Adams and Will Knauss. Welcome, everybody, to episode 134 of the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from JeffAdamsWrites.com. And I'm Will from WillKanaus.com. This week's episode is brought to you in part by listeners just like you. We will have more information on how you can help support this show in just a few moments. Mm-hmm. Okay, we've got a whole lot to cover this week. Yes, we do. Let's get right to it. Someone is releasing a book. Yes, I am. <laughs> Codename Winger number two, entitled Schooled, arrives on Tuesday, March 1st. Yay! Been working on uh, getting the word out about it this past week. I've been doing live videos on Facebook uh, since earlier in the week, talking about some of the influences uh, of pop culture in the Winger series. Everything from Star Trek to Tron to Alias to Mr. Robot. I'll be continuing those up into release day on Tuesday the 1st, and you can check those out uh, at 4 Eastern, 7 Pacific. Oh, no, that's backwards. 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific, if you want to check those out live, and I'll have links in the show notes. Plus, the blog tour will start up on Tuesday the 1st, and I'll link to the schedule for that as well. And there'll be a chance to win signed paperbacks and some ebooks and whatnot on the tour. Fantastic news. Yeah. Shall we give congratulations? Uh, I suppose so. Yes. So Lizzie... Oh, there's the list. I'm sorry. I was like... <laughs> He's like, congratulations? What congratulations? What are we talking about? <laughs> so Lizzie uh, is the winner of the Audible Code for the Mary Calmay book that we gave away in episode 132. So congratulations to you, Lizzie. And we have another giveaway this week because Kira Andrews is offering up uh, some goodies as well that we'll talk about a little later in the show. Yeah, good stuff. Um, a very big thank you to our newest patron, R.L. and James. Yes. They have joined us on our Patreon page. Welcome aboard. Now, all you have to do to support the Big Gay Fiction Podcast is go to patreon.com uh, and check us out. Um, if you are interested in helping support this show, all you have to do is... I'm totally screwing this up. <laughs> I'm just trying to be extemporaneous and... Uh, <laughs> That was a terrible ad read. So, okay. First, number one, once again, RL and James, thank you so much. Yes. We yes. did get that part right. So, thank you for being here with us. We very much appreciate you as we appreciate all of our listeners. Indeed. Uh, you can help support the Big Gay Fiction Podcast with a monthly pledge through Patreon. And your pledge helps pay the cost of producing and distributing this show. For fans who pledge at our silver and gold levels, you'll have the exclusive opportunity to ask questions of our upcoming guests. Also, all patrons have the opportunity to get a personalized thank you sent directly to them. And any month that we cover our monthly production costs, we will produce a special bonus episode. Uh, and we have been lucky enough to uh, produce bonus episodes every single month that we have had the Patreon. Yes. Since we started early last year. Yeah. Thanks to everyone who's made that possible. So if you're interested in what uh, extra bonus stuff we have to say, all of those bonus episodes are archived at patreon.com slash biggayfictionpodcast. If you want to learn a little bit more, just go to that address. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash biggayfictionpodcast. In the hockey player's heart, 
The Feel-Good Gay Romance by Jeff Adams and Will Knauss. Hockey star Caleb Carter returns to his hometown to recover from an injury. He never expects to run into his one-time crush at a grade school fundraiser. Seeing Aaron Price hits him hard, like being checked into the boards. The attraction is still there, even after all these years, and Caleb decides to make a play for the school teacher. You miss 100% of the shots you never take, right? Aaron has been burned by love before and can't imagine what a celebrity like Caleb could possibly see in a guy like him. Their differences are just too great. But as Aaron spends more time with Caleb, he begins to wonder if he might have what it takes to win the hockey player's heart. Get the hockey player's heart in ebook, paperback, or as an audiobook performed by me, Finn Sterling, wherever you buy books. So how about that new commercial read? So good. Yeah, thanks very much to Finn Sterling, who is the voice of the Hockey Player's Heart audiobook, for uh, giving us a new and improved ad read uh, for our little commercial there. Finn's actually going to be on the show in a couple weeks on May 14th, and we'll learn much more about him then. It's going to be awesome. Cool. Quickly, we want to mention some television that we have been partaking of and thought you might be interested in as well. Yes. Uh, I'm obsessed with Carrie the Musical. This has been true for many years. This is a disastrous Broadway show from 1988, which is a musicalization of the Stephen King uh, book. Uh, Had a much better 2012 off-Broadway revival. Uh, It's campy fun. It's kind of ridiculous. And the, the high school kids over at Riverdale... Uh, took this on in a recent episode. I don't watch Riverdale. I tried, didn't get into it, despite the super sexy cast. But I loved their little take on Carrie the Musical. They did 11 songs inside the episode, and I kind of was like, kind of gaga for it. (laughs) Didn't really understand the rest of what was happening there, but I enjoyed that tremendously. So thank you, Riverdale, for giving me a little taste of carry. Once the Riverdale season's over, you'll be able to catch that on Netflix if you're interested in sampling that. Yeah. I don't understand how anybody can watch Riverdale. I think <laughs> KJ Appa is so distracting. He is so, like, he's from another planet. He is so supernaturally beautiful. Mm-hmm. He's like a, a living anime character brought to life. <laughs> That square jaw, those big, gorgeous eyes, that ridiculous red hair that on anyone else would be, you know, a, a travesty. He pulls it off. It's so pretty. Yeah. He's so beautiful. And his physique. I mean. He's gorgeous. He's gorgeous. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, a couple other things going on that we've been watching. Uh, we have found NBC's Good Girls, which airs on Monday nights after The Voice, to be Hilarious. This is about three housewives who each need uh, money, and a lot of money, and so they rob a grocery store, but then they fall into the mob, and all this other crazy stuff happens as they try to make a business out of stealing. (laughs) It's a hoot. But I wanted to call out in particular a nice storyline that's actually happening there. Um, one One of the women, Annie, who's played by Parenthood's Mae Whitman, has a daughter, Sadie, uh, who's played by Izzy Stanyard. Um, Sadie is gender nonconforming, um, as best we can tell. Uh, it has not been explicitly discussed uh, what her uh, current gender, how she feels about her gender. She uses she pronouns in the show, but she dresses as a boy, uh, usually presents as a boy. This has caused her trouble in school. Um, her parents are totally 
okay with what's going on. In fact, her mom sent um, some gang members to deal with people who were bullying her daughter, which was awesome in a way. Um, but it's really nice to see this kind of work its way into this show and and present this gender nonconforming character just as part of the general run of this of this family's life. And uh, I've enjoyed that little part of the show, and I hope they get to explore bits and pieces of it since it's certainly not the main plot. Exactly. Uh, also, we want to very quickly mention another NBC show, Champions, uh, which is a horrible name for a show. It's like, <laughs> what does that even mean? Champions is actually the name of the gym uh, that sort of um, serves as the home base for the family that's featured on this show. It's essentially a work workplace comedy uh, mixed with a uh, sort of traditional family comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's about a guy uh, named um, Vince. Vince, uh, who's played by Anders Holm. He realizes that he has a son that he never knew about, uh, and the son comes to live with him. Yeah, because the son wants to go to the performing arts school in, in New York. Uh, Michael is played by J.J. Tota. He actually had a small uh, but amazing role in the final season of Glee. One of the few highlights of that. Oh, you're right. Um, he he had one episode and he completely walked away with it. Um, he is a, an amazing little kid. So very funny. Uh, his comedic timing is so spot on. And the way he plays off of the guy who plays his father and the guy who plays his uncle. Um, the three of them, are, it's just like so... It's so snappy and so extremely yeah. funny. Uh, so... We highly recommend you check out this show, uh, despite its terrible name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, incidentally, um, Michael's mom is played by uh, Mindy Kaling. She is also, uh, I believe, the producer, and she co-created this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and so it's hysterical. Like her stuff is, she plays the mom. She's a hoot. This show's awesome. Check it out Thursdays on NBC. Yeah. Also, I would like to mention two uh, doctors. Documentary style programs I recently watched. The first one is To Walk Invisible, the Bronte Sisters. And this was uh, originally aired uh, on Masterpiece on PBS. Um, It was a two-part series. And it is a dramatization of the lives of the Bronte Sisters, uh, Charlotte, Emily, and Anne. Um, And it basically covers the time leading up to their... um, their literary fame, and then immediately after. Mm. Um, it's really it's really good. It's a, a dramatization, not a traditional, um, like maybe documentary style kind of a thing. Um, it's about the three sisters. Uh, they kind of live in the middle of nowhere in this tiny little village, uh, and things are really, really dire for this family. Their father is essentially a retired... Um, I don't know what denomination they were. He's not a priest. But a minister or a pastor uh, or he's, something. Is, yeah, he's a, a retired pastor, uh, and he has a multitude of health problems. Uh, and also the family is plagued by their brother Bramwell. Um, he is what you might term a ne'er-do-well. Um, <laughs> despite the fact that he is actually as talented as his sister's, um, he most likely had some um, mental issues. He's dealing a lot with depression. Uh, he self self medicates. He's drunk practically all the time. So it's up to the sisters 
to save the family. Um, each of them are essentially writing in secret. They don't tell anybody until one day um, Charlotte accidentally comes across her sister's writing and she's like, um, no, you don't understand. You're really, really good. And so it's then that the each of the sisters come out of the closet, essentially, and they come up with a plan that they're going to publish and save the family. And that's essentially uh, what the show entails. Um, them kind of writing in secret, constantly sending it off to publishers, uh, dealing with all of the family drama that they've got going on, uh, and eventually becoming world famous. Um, the three sisters are so um, remarkably smart and strong, both physically and emotionally, um, and it really kind of, the show itself really details what very little options women mm -hmm. had at that time. Um, basically, the only thing they had, you know, they could marry well, and that was essentially it. Um, and they decided to go another way. Uh, and thank goodness they did. Indeed. Thank you, Bronte sisters. Also, I want to quickly mention another special that I, I watched. Uh, Louisa May Alcott, The Woman Behind Little Women. That originally aired uh, as part of American Masters on PBS as well. Uh, this is another remarkable um, uh, episode from PBS um, that details a very strong-willed literary woman. Um, as most of you probably know, Little Women is um, semi-autobiographical. Uh, it was uh, Alcott was writing essentially about her life. Uh, she also had um, some pretty dire circumstances going on in her family, and she decided it was up to her. She was going to use her writing to uh, pull her family out of essentially poverty. Um, they were living through difficult situations. Their father was uh, an intellectual, so um, <laughs> they, didn't ha they didn't have a whole lot of money. Uh, he was uh, a big thinker and actually remarkable and successful in his own right, but um, being smart and lecturing at that time didn't bring a whole lot of steady income uh, into the household. So, uh, Louisa May Alcott decided to take it upon herself to use her scribblings uh, <laughs> to uh, take care of the family. Um, she was remarkably prolific. Mm -hmm. She, you know, Little Women is just one one piece of a, a massive. Uh, it I can't even come up with the words. We may never actually know the breadth. Of the work that mm -hmm. Alcott did because at that time uh, around the American Civil War um, there was a thing called story papers uh, they were incredibly popular essentially um, small tabloid newspapers that ran fiction for the oh. general public and she uh, wrote her brains out uh, <laughs> to support her family she wrote what she called her blood and thunder stories uh, that pulp fiction uh, saved the family. Uh, she, of course, wrote all of that fiction under uh, various pen names. Uh, and still to this day, we're discovering bits and pieces uh, that, that she wrote. She also became very, very famous writing Little Women uh, and all of the books that followed afterwards. Um, this is a more traditional um, 
documentary style. They, of course, use actors to recreate uh, certain scenarios from her and her family's life. They also use actors to um, speak directly to camera. Uh, and what's very nice is that all of the essentially pull quotes uh, from this documentary uh, were uh, statements actually written by the people who said them. Um, not only was Alcott remarkably prolific, she essentially documented her in entire journey. She was a, a heavy journalist. She liked to journal an awful lot as well. So I highly recommend checking out To Walk Invisible, the Bronte Sisters. The title, by the way, is a reference to the pseudonyms that they had to take uh, when they published their writing. And also check out Louisa May Alcott, the woman, the woman behind the women, Little Women. Mm-hmm. Cool. Shall we shift from TV to book? <laughs> yes, let's. Uh, I want to go ahead and First, speak of a short story that came out not too long ago uh, from Devin McCormick and uh, Riley Hart. Uh, they recently released Finding It. It is a short story and their Metropolis series, and it serves as a bridge between book three and book four, which also recently mm-hmm. came out. Uh, Finding It uh, features the heroes Gary and Travis from the first book, Faking It. Uh, I know this is a lot of titles I'm throwing out. It might get a little confusing. <laughs> but essentially, um, uh, Gary and Travis uh, are doing a big, splashy lakeside fundraiser. And each of them individually comes up with the idea to surprise su- surprise the other with a romantic proposal. Of course, things don't go as planned. Uh, there's a lost engagement ring. Uh, one of them gets locked in a storage closet. Oops. A la the classic <laughs> sitcom, sitcom trope. Um, (laughs) and what's nice as, um, our two heroes are kind of going through the drama of the day, uh, Evan and Frankie, um, help them realize that despite everything, um, Gary and Travis are of course made for one another and everything ends up happily ever after. As you would hope. Evan and Frankie are going to be the main couple in the next book, and essentially what we now know is going to be the fourth and final book in the Metropolis series called Trying It. So I highly recommend, if you've read the series and loved it as much as I do, uh, find out what Gary and Travis have been up to. I recommend Finding It by Devin McCormick and Riley Hart. Cool. And you've got one more for us? I'm going to keep on talking, folks. Um, I'm just going to make him talk. This... I'm just going to stand here today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, really quickly, I want to highly highly recommend Beyond the Sea by Kira Anders. We're going to have an interview with Kira in just a few minutes. First, I want to say that I love, love, loved this book. came out a couple of years ago. Uh, it's about Troy. He is a rock star, and he has essentially um, given up on his brother. Uh, he's, uh, like, drugging and drinking, living the whole rock star lifestyle, and Troy says, Enough. Uh, I believe they're on tour in Australia and he boards a plane to go home to the States. Uh, Brian is the pilot of said plane, and they end up crashing somewhere on a remote island in the South Pacific. And a majority of the book is essentially a a Robinson Crusoe tale of these two guys all alone, and they're dependent on each other to make things work uh, in the middle of absolutely nowhere. I really thought this was remarkable. As a romance, it's a bit of a slow burn because the front half of the book um, 
you know, focuses on their fight for survival, mm -hmm. uh, which is really interesting. I, I really, really enjoyed it. They use what, you know, bits and pieces of the, you know, wreckage that they have uh, to make things work on the island. Um, at first, they're very hopeful they're going to be rescued any day. I mean, after all, Troy is a, an extremely famous person. They're going to be looking for him. But as time continues to go on, they realize that they may be stuck here forever. Uh, <laughs> and, of course, while they're fighting to survive, they get to know each other better. Uh, and they actually end up falling in love. And they end up hooking up just before they're rescued. Uh, Troy's brother has cleaned up his act and has been uh, fronting a very expensive operation to sweep the South Pacific uh, looking for their plane. Uh, they eventually are rescued. Uh, and of course, they have to deal with um, the real world coming back into their lives, um, uh, which is um, hard and difficult. Because essentially, Troy is immediately thrown back into his slightly decadent, uh, you know, famous rock star lifestyle. Uh, and he isn't actually able to communicate with Brian how much um, he means to him. Mm. Eventually, they reunite once again, uh, and they work things out and move towards their happily ever after. Well, that's good. I like that. I want. I kind of want to read that. I like the Robertson Crusoe kind of mm -hmm. take on things. There are a lot of really great tropes at work. Uh, I thought Kira um, wrote about them masterfully. Uh, there's essentially the storyline is essentially. Uh, a gay for you kind of a story, although with a much more uh, pleasant modern twist to it, um, since uh, Brian and Troy don't actually identify as gay or bisexual at the beginning of the story. It's through their experiences together they realize how much they mean to one another. Mm -hmm. Also, there is um, a bit of hurt comfort. At one point, Troy is bitten by what we eventually learn is a centipede on the island uh and he becomes very very ill and it's up to brian mm. to like uh nurse him back to health lots of i i, I can't recommend this book enough yeah. i highly recommend everyone check out beyond the sea yeah so i also took a sea adventure with kira uh in the last few days uh with kidnapped by the pirate which has what i believe is one of the best covers that i've seen in a very long time um it is absolutely gorgeous, and, and I think Will's going to show it up here on the video. There it is. Get the pirate, get the kitties kidnapped. It's really gorgeous. Good job, Kira, and good job, Kira's cover designer. <laughs> uh, so this, as, as the title indicates, uh, is all about being kidnapped by the pirate. So we've got Nathaniel Brainbridge. He is on a voyage to Primrose Isle. Uh, he's escorting his pregnant sister there, where she will meet up with her husband. Uh, their father has been trying to get this colony off the ground uh, for quite some time. Uh, it's not going well. Uh, Nathaniel and his sister both know that. Uh, their ship is boarded by the Seahawk and his pirate crew. And they immediately see Nathaniel as a ransom opportunity, uh, despite the fact that he's telling them that their father is not that well off at the moment. <laughs> um Nathaniel is immediately kind of turned on by the pirate and is a little ashamed by that. Um, he's been berated most of his life for his attraction to men, um, berated himself, been berated by his father. Um, 
but he becomes the hostage and off they go. They're going to have a month at sea because uh, they want the other ship, they want his sister to get to Primrose to say, hey, dad, you need to pay this guy some money. He's going to show up in a month. So now one of your favorite things comes into play here. We get some forced proximity because Nathaniel and the Seahawk are together. Uh, He's kept in the captain's quarters, uh, initially given just a corner. Um, But these two, despite uh, the the situation that they're in, slowly but surely find their way to uh, starting to like each other. starting to maybe love each other a little bit. Um, Kira, as you mentioned in your book uh, with Beyond the Sea, she does this really nice slow burn mm-hmm. where the the hate and fear morphs into, okay, we're just we're gonna make this work living in this closed space together. Um, Nathaniel reveals himself to be useful. One day when he's finally allowed up on deck after a couple of weeks, he actually rescues. Uh, one of the crew who is trapped up in the masts and is tied up and he just climbs up there like a monkey and undoes him (laughs) and gets him down. It's really impressive. Uh, And that endears him to the crew a little bit more, but there's uh, issues afoot because the crew also realizes that the Seahawk is actually maybe falling in love with this guy who he does need to give up for this ransom. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And it's so delicious how these two find their way to 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 grow. And it's really the Seahawk who grows because he discovers that this pirate thing may not be what he wants anymore. Mm-hmm. He's done it for a lot of years, and it might be time to retire. To hang up the buckle that he's been swashing. Ooh. Nice. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the final showdown that ultimately happens on Primrose Island, I thought was just amazing. I love how Kira made all this turn out. The grand gesture at the end melted my heart completely. And I love that we got a prologue here. I'm I'm not spoiling anything by saying it's a happily ever after because, you know, it is a romance. Uh, but totally love the prologue that we got that comes, I don't remember how far out now, but that gives you life after he he hung up his buckle. Mm. Um, also need to give a shout out to uh, Cornell Collins. Um, I did pick up the audio, which is just out within the last couple of weeks, um, to help me finish the book so I could have it to review for you on this episode. Uh, he does a great job. Um Voicing the pirate and Nathaniel and giving them a nice differentiation um, in voice and attitude. Uh, So good job there. So pick up Kidnapped by the Pirate by Kira Andrews. Want to hang out with us between shows? Check us out on Facebook. You never know what we might post. News about book sales, bonus video content, and maybe even a live broadcast or two. Like us today at facebook.com slash biggayfictionpodcast and see what we get up to next. So now that we've talked all about Kira's previous books, let's go over to our interview with her where she talks about her brand new book that came out last week. We're excited to welcome Kira Andrews to the show. After writing for years and yet never really finding the right inspiration, Kira discovered her voice in gay romance, which has become her passion. She writes contemporary, historical, paranormal, and fantasy fiction, and although she loves delicious angst along the way, Kira firmly believes in happy endings. 
Her latest book, Test of Valor, was released on April 26th. Welcome, Kira. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah, we're happy, very happy to have you because we've been we've been kind of binging on your books, and uh, Will went crazy over Christmas with some of them, and uh, yeah, it's great <laughs> to have you. Yeah. Thank you. So, so tell us all about this new book that's just out, Test of Valor. So this is the sequel to Valor on the Move, which is one of my best-selling books that came out in 2015. And I'd always planned on fall, on writing a follow-up because the, the characters don't really get together until – so let me back up, sorry. It's about the president's closeted son and an older, sexy Secret Service agent who is assigned to protect him. And sparks fly, and uh, obviously they're breaking the rules by falling in love. So uh, this is the follow-up. This is their new life together now that the White House is behind them. Nice. What was the the inspiration for it? Well, as I said, they do. There is a happy ending in the first book. I always have a happy ending, <laughs> but they don't get together until fairly late in the story. So I felt like there was more to explore with what their life would be like once they settle into a relationship together, once the first excitement and bloom of falling off of in love settles into just a normal life together. And they still have obstacles, obviously. Chief among those obstacles are Rafa's parents, the former president and first lady who are coming to visit in the sequel. So it takes place about five, six months in the future after the end of the first book. And yeah, Rafa's parents are coming to visit. They're not too happy that their baby son has run away with his secret service agent to the other (laughs) side of the world. I probably wouldn't be super happy about it either, to be honest. So I can, I can relate to that. So yeah, it's just, Kind of the challenges in Shane and Rafa's new relationship. They're very much in love and very much together. Uh, but, you know, every new relationship as you settle into it, you have to kind of find your way and deal with his crazy family. <laughs> yeah, the, the stress of, of unhappy parents is never a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and his mother in particular is a bit of a handful. So, Yeah. <laughs> What kind of research did you did you do around Secret Service and how it might work if they actually ended up falling in love with who they're protecting? I did a lot of research about the Secret Service. It's actually super interesting. Uh, I read a few books by former agents and uh, learned, you know, which Chelsea Clinton is the favorite presidential child. <laughs> she was the, everyone's favorite. The Bush twins were the least favorite because they were very rebellious. <laughs> Chelsea was not rebellious at all. <laughs> Followed all the rules. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you fell in love with a protectee, that would be very, very frowned upon. <laughs> you would probably lose your job. So. Not just reassign, but lose your job. <laughs> probably. Yeah. It's a big, it is a big, uh, it's a big problem. <laughs> And that, of course, causes a lot of the conflict in the first book because Shane is really torn between the job. He loves his job. And I mean, he loves his job, although he's been doing it for a long time. And Rafa comes along and kind of opens his eyes to what he's been missing out on in life. And the May-December aspect sounds fun there, too. 
yeah, I really, I enjoy a May December romance a lot. So, uh, yeah, he's, there's a 17 year age difference between them. So quite substantial. Uh, and so that causes challenges as well, especially in test of valor there. Shane is overprotective of Rafa and it's hard for him to kind of shake that. And Rafa wants to be seen as, and not that Shane doesn't see him as a grown man and respect him, but it's, it's hard for him to kind of let his protective instincts simmer down a bit. <laughs> Understandable. Now you run across many genres, as yes. we noted in the in the in the intro. What keeps you genre hopping? I've always had eclectic taste in reading and music and movies and TV. So I love that I can write a contemporary about two normal dudes, you know, <laughs> and uh, who fall in love and write about a werewolf in the zombie apocalypse and I just love the I just love exploring new worlds and just yeah I the sky's the limit I, I think I would get bored if I only wrote you know contemporary or only wrote historical or mm -hmm. whichever you know whichever genre I, I, I just like keeping things open <laughs> is there a particular genre that you've written that um, seems to uh, hold your fans' interest? Hmm. That's a good question. I mean, generally speaking, contemporary is the most popular genre in gay romance. Mm -hmm. For example, when I, did, when I wrote Kidnapped by the Pirate, I honestly didn't expect it to do very well because it was a historical, and historicals are hit and miss as far as mm -hmm. finding an audience goes. And I, I wrote it, the story just ate my brain. And there was no way, I, I just could not write it. I, it was just, I was actually working on the Test of Valor sequel last summer, and then pirates came along, and I couldn't, I couldn't resist them. And uh, some stories just come along, and they just kind of pour out of your head, and you can't, you can't fight the tide, kind of, which is the name of another one of my book actually <laughs> um, <laughs> that was unintentional <laughs> uh so i i really didn't know what to expect for kidnapped by the pirate i didn't have super high expectations and it blew my expectations out of the water it's been wonderful that people have really responded to that book I don't well, know if I and you could tell <laughs> reading it that it looks like you had a lot of fun writing it it just yeah. has this feel of big time adventure with a great romance thrown in on the side. And you could just tell that I, it looks like it just went right off our head, right onto the page and just became this really awesome thing. Yeah. Thank you. Not it, to it mention did. the killer cover. <laughs> oh yes. I, Dara Albert does uh, my covers and I asked her to capture that, bodice ripper vibe <laughs> without being too cheesy and I, I feel like she really nailed it I, I love that cover <laughs> mm -hmm. I love that cover it it's pretty happy. amazing the second the second I saw it online I was like boop one click <laughs> because uh, I'm I'm probably one of those people you were thinking about because yeah historical has never been precisely my thing I've only like recently sort of dipped my toe into historical yeah. waters but yeah uh amazing book um 
Now, you've been doing this for a while. You've got a pretty extensive backlist and a whole lot of fans. Um, can you take us back a little bit to maybe the very beginning and what inspired you to put pen to paper on your first MM romance? Absolutely. I was writing fan fiction mostly in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And I was writing a mix of gay fan fiction and also some MF fan fiction, Veronica and Logan from Veronica Mars, one of my favorites. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I've written both uh, male, male and male, female. And when it came time, when I decided to write an original novel, which was Love Match, uh, my first book, which is about professional tennis players who fall in love. I was watching Wimbledon that <laughs> summer 2005, and I thought, hmm, what, what would happen if two Inspirations you know, everywhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah, inspirations everywhere, all these men in their shorts, and I thought, hmm. <laughs> And uh, yeah, it just, and at the time, actually, still no male tennis players have really come out. It's still a very closeted, statistically speaking, there must be gay male tennis players. And, but it's really none of them have come out, uh, certainly not while playing, especially at the top of the game. So there's, you know, there's always been rumors about certain players who knows what's true, but yeah, I just, I just thought, Hmm, what would happen if, you know, top a top player was gay and and ended up coming out um and then so i yeah i just found more inspiration i think because in mf romance which i grew up reading and loving there's so much of it and i felt like there were so many gay stories that are untold and felt like there was just so much potential in that genre. When I started, it was very small. Like, so Love Match was published in 2006. And before that, before the early to mid-2000s, really fanfic was where you got mm-hmm. gay romance. Gay fiction has obviously always been around, but there's often not happy endings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, it's been a lot of tragedy. And so I re- I wanted to write a book about gay characters where there is a big old happy ending and yeah it just it just felt like there were so many stories to explore mm-hmm. out, of out of curiosity in your in your, uh, in your fanfic in your who, who are your <laughs> mm pairings of choice oh, yeah brian and justin from queer as folk were probably i wrote a lot about brian and justin. <laughs> uh i've also written uh I don't know if you know Band of Brothers. It was the World War II uh, miniseries. Mm-hmm. I've written uh, Winter's Nixon fanfic for that for that miniseries, and I'm trying to think of what else. Oh, As the World Turns, uh, which was a soap opera. Uh, Luke and Reed were characters who were actually gay characters on the show. And yeah, was I was obsessed. <laughs> there was a period there in 2010 where, yeah, <laughs> big obsession. <laughs> and you've been in it since 2006. How do you think things have changed in the genre over the last what dozen, uh, dozen years now? 
Yeah. Oh gosh, that is crazy when you say that, that it's been a dozen years. I, I was just thinking, oh yeah, it's been like five years. <laughs> no, it's 2018. Uh, I mean, the genre obviously has exploded and become so much bigger, which I think is wonderful because it's become more mainstream. When I, when I started, definitely people didn't even know what eBooks were. You know, my friends and family would be like, what is it? It's an ebook? What you know, oh, do I print it out on paper? <laughs> like they they didn't you know, ebooks were just were so new. No one had Kindles or Kindles and Kobos didn't exist. It was a few years after that that Kobo was the first e-reader that came along. So it, it was just very different in that regard as well. Um, but yeah, the gay romance genre has just blossomed and now major publishers are doing gay romance, which, you know, Avon and Berkeley and Kensington, which I think is great. How would you say that your writing writing has evolved in that time? I think it's definitely gotten a lot better. (laughs) I, I, I cringe when I go back and I shouldn't say that, but I, I think for everyone, you know, you're your own worst critic, right? So it's when I go back and look at my earlier work, I'm like, oh, like why did I do that? I should have done this. And, but I, I think I try to learn something with every book, and just I always, I I do read reviews. I know some people say never read reviews, but I, I do read reviews because I want to learn and and grow and get that constructive criticism. So. I, yeah, hopefully it's it's getting better with every book. <laughs> What's your overall process? And does your process change depending on the genre you're actually writing in? It doesn't really change depending on the genre. I, I am kind of a mix of a pantser and a plotter. <laughs> I, I will plot, I'll have the general, the major beats of the story worked out. But I let the characters kind of breathe and come to life and tell me what their story is going to be in the in, to flesh it out, you know. And sometimes the major plots will also, the plot points will also change. <laughs> you know, I'll think, oh, I'm going to have you know this will happen at, in the third act, and then the characters will will say, no, I don't think so. <laughs> so yeah, I, I have the basic idea. And then I just let the characters come to life and and fill out the rest. So I don't I don't plot out everything scene by scene. I can't I don't find that works for me. It's too I just need the kind of freedom to see where it goes. Mm-hmm. Is there a genre you haven't written in yet that you want to? I mean you already cut across so many, but <laughs> Yes, actually sci fi. I am a big sci fi fan. So I would love to do a gay romance, you know, in space. <laughs> so that is definitely on my to-do list is, yeah, to do a, a sci-fi space romance. <laughs> That'll be cool. I, I, I look forward to that. <laughs> now, in each of your books, do you think there's a certain a certain quality or a certain something that defines what a Kira Andrews book is? Well... I always have a happy ending. Mm-hmm. I always have, there's always sex in my books. 
hopefully hot. I try to make it hot. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think just having that mix, because as a reader, that's what I like to read is a mix of char- compelling characters, compelling plot, and then some hot sex. You know, it's too, I, I like a, a balance of those three things. So hopefully that's what I try and bring to my own books. And what do you read? Like what's on your what's on your bedside table right now? Oh, what is on my bedside table right now? Or in your Kindle, depending. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Is that... <laughs> it is on my on my Kindle. Um, I recently read uh, A Gentleman's Guide to Vice and Virtue by Mackenzie Lee. I actually reread it recently. I, I read it for the first time at Christmas. And just loved it so much. So that I do read YA as well as as MM romance. And I read all genres. I don't only just read MM. Um, so yeah, I just reread that one. And there's so many books coming out right now that I need to. <laughs> and uh, I actually, I do some editing as well for uh, Lita Blake. Mm-hmm. And I just got the her sequel to Slow Heat in my inbox. So... That is what I'm going to be reading for <laughs> the next couple of weeks as I work on those edits. I'm excited. Oh, a sequel to Slow Heat, I hear. Yeah. <laughs> People yeah. will be very glad to hear that. Yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> awesome. I am super excited. It's going to be about Zan, the character of Zan, so, who a lot of people really liked from the first book. So, yeah, I'm really excited about it. <laughs> so, yeah, I read... You know, I'm preg, read every, I just, I read everything. I'm <laughs> Any particular author influences who, like, have influenced you since you began this journey? I mean, I love, there's so many authors I love, and I just always try. I, well, I'm speaking of Mackenzie Lee in The Gentleman's Guide to Vice and Virtue, that first opening opening scene of the book is the two characters are really hungover, (laughs) you know, and I was just so charmed and hooked into those characters from the first paragraph. And so when I read, whenever I read, yeah, I I guess I get inspired to improve my own writing and to, to think, Oh, I need to do not to copy, but you know, to think, Oh, how can I hook readers into these characters right from the first paragraph? Mm -hmm. So yeah, so there's, I don't, I can't think of any other specific names, but just, yeah, everyone. <laughs> everyone who does something awesome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that narrows it right down for you. <laughs> so what do we have to look forward to after Test of Valor? What's what's next? Well, I have been working on a Christmas book, actually. I am, I love Christmas. <laughs> I love Christmas. I'm such a Christmas person. And I love Christmas romances. So I'm trying to get one done early this year and <laughs> have it, you know, in the can and ready to go. And then I'm going to be working on the third book in the Kick at the Darkness series. So that's the the werewolf in the, in the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> So that'll be the third book for Parker and Adam. And I'm going to be working on that this summer. Nice. Do we get to have more pirates? I would love more pirates. I just have to throw that out there. Yeah, I would love to do more pirates too. It's definitely, I have kind of a list right now of other books I need to work on first. 
but I definitely do want to write another higher book at some point. Yeah. Cool. At least it's on the list somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I always have way more ideas than I have time to actually write, you know? Yeah. <laughs> people, sometimes people say, oh, how do you keep coming up with ideas? And I'm like, oh gosh, that's never, for me, that's never a problem. I, I, I have too many that, you know, <laughs> I wish I had more hours in the day or some magic spell that I could pull it out of my head, you know? <laughs> now, you, you've got a giveaway for our listeners, yes. which is awesome. What do you have for them? Well, I am going to give away three copies of Valor on the Move, which is the first book in the Valor series. So, yeah, three ebook copies of that book. Fantastic. We'll put a raffle copter on the show notes page so people can go get some entries and uh, hope, hopefully those land in the hands of some of some listeners who don't have that one and are eager to, to then move on to the test of valor. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> cool. So what's the best way to keep up with you online so everybody can keep up with what you're doing? Uh, I'm pretty active on Facebook and Instagram. If you go to my website, it's kiraandrews.com. There's links to all my social media and I update my website as well. I don't blog or anything very often over there. I just find it. It's amazing how much time it can take to write a blog, you know, and I just, I try and focus my writing time on writing the books. Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah, Facebook and Instagram is where I'm, I'm most active and I have a Facebook reader group and that people can join. So yeah. Well, fantastic. Thank you so much for coming and hanging out with us Thank and talking you. to us about Test of Valor. Thank you. It was great to be here. I really appreciate it. Thank you once again to Kira for joining us here on the show. It was so much fun talking to her. Yeah, I loved it. So, I, and can't wait to read so much more from her. I know, exactly. Uh, please don't forget there is a giveaway for an ebook copy of Valor on the Move. Uh, she's got three copies, so get your entries into the raffle copter. That ends on Sunday, May 6th. Mm-hmm. Get those in there and we'll give out some books. Yeah. Absolutely. That'll do it for this week's episode. Coming up in episode 135, we'll have more interviews from the LA Times Festival of Books, including interviews with Candy Miller uh, from Interlude Press, uh, Anne Reagan from Harmony Inc. Press, plus we've got Reese Ford, C.S. Poe, Brew Baker, C.J. Elliott, and Casey Wells. Yeah. It's a whole interview palooza next week. Yeah, some good stuff. Please... Please come by again and listen. We enjoyed talking to each and every one of them. Yes, we did. So, guys, remember, no matter where life takes you, the journey will always be sweeter when you have a book. Until next time, guys, please keep turning those pages and keep reading. For detailed show notes and the complete episode backlist, go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com. New episodes are available every Monday on all major podcast distributors and YouTube. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.